When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, recapping day one of the NFL draft, the first round of the draft where the Browns, as expected, did nothing. Uh, they are still about 40 picks away from going on the clock. The Pittsburgh Steelers actually get to open up day two of the draft as of now, as of this recording, depending on what they want to do. So we're going to get into the draft a little bit, but really the big news, the news that really affects the Browns happened just before the draft, Lamar Jackson signs a five-year extension worth $260 million. Uh, he gets $185 million guaranteed, Mary Kay. This has been a long time coming. Um, it, there were times when it felt like it wouldn't happen. There's been a lot of dialogue around this, <laughs> a lot of takes out there around this. But in the end, uh, on the day of the draft, Lamar Jackson gets an enormous an enormous extension, uh, the largest uh, contract in NFL history. The guarantee does not come close to where Deshaun Watson is, but he ends up surpassing Jalen Hurts just a few days after Hurts became the highest paid player in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, I've been working on a column a little bit throughout uh, the draft tonight on this and just kind of what it means. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that it means is that just one year after Deshaun Watson signed his big blockbuster fully guaranteed extension, he's now number six on the list. And Deshaun has and Lamar has topped him by six million dollars a year in just one year. That's quite a raise, I would say, and, you know, bodes well for Joe Burrow to get even more than that. So the $50 million club is growing quickly. It includes Aaron Rodgers, it includes Jalen Hurts, it includes Lamar Jackson, who now tops everyone at 52. Again, Deshaun at number six. But the reason, the other reason why it's meaningful is because, like, as you mentioned at the outset, it means Lamar Jackson is back with the Ravens, we wondered if that was actually going to happen. Now he's going to be throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. They drafted Zay Flowers tonight with their first round pick, number 22 overall. You couple those guys with uh, three-time Pro Bowler Mark Andrews with Rashad Bateman. They're loading up over there. And now they've got a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, who has never met a pass that he didn't want thrown. And uh, it's it's a new day over in Baltimore. Ashley, what was your reaction when, when the news broke that the Slamar deal actually got done and he was going to stay in Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the sense of the, the question marks around Baltimore are now done. I mean, I was kind of surprised that it went from, it was literally like seven minutes that the NFL insiders had it being, oh, this deal isn't quite done yet to suddenly the deal is done. And I mean, I guess it just kind of, goes to show that on draft day with these big kind of deals like this, anything can happen. And also like the first thing I thought of when you look at 
the money per year that he is making and what it compares to uh, what Deshaun is making, it's kind of like what we've been talking about, that the Browns, you know, oftentimes with their contracts and stuff, are somewhat ahead of the game in this regime. And we've talked about that $230 million that they gave Deshaun Watson that ultimately, like as that contract goes on, it's not going to look quite as expensive as it looked like a year ago when he signed it because the market for these guys is just going to keep going up. Now, Lamar doesn't get the same amount of guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson gets, but the fact that it's more money per year, like I think we're already seeing some truth to that. Yeah, Mary Kay, I'm interested to see, you know, where this all goes. You know, you mentioned Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert's going to be up here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be coming up after next season. Uh, you know, all these these contracts are going to keep, I mean, Deshaun's going into year two of his deal. We might be two years away from him saying, hey, time to rip this thing up and give me $65 million a year. Uh, you know, this thing, this this number for quarterbacks is going to just keep growing, it feels like, because the, the position isn't be going to suddenly become less important. No, not at all. And, you know, with the raises going up so quickly and so much, really, these other guys that you just mentioned coming up after them are, you know, they their eye, eyeballs have got to be growing wide just seeing what is going on. I mean, the number, that 50 million number, you know, I remember when, um, you know, when, when they – got up around 40 and then, you know, 41, 42, it just sounded like so much money per year. And now just a couple short years later, here they are up over 50, $52 million a year. And, you know, you guys, we've all seen here what it does to your salary structure when you have a quarterback making that amount of money. Uh, you really have to be very strategic in everything else that you do. And in order for the Browns to accomplish their goals this year, uh, they had to restructure Deshaun's contract and give him uh, another bunch of money in bonus money to cut um, $36 million from their cap. So, um, you know, you really have to do things. And I think the Browns are going to be, you know, setting the bar on that too and sort of like, showing the path forward on, on exactly how you do that. Now you see, uh, you know, it's just customary that that's what you have to do right before the start of the league year is restructure these contracts, convert a bunch of it to signing bonus. Now, not every team has all that cash laying around the way that the, the Browns do. I mean, they're, they have been able to hand over uh, multi, multi uh, millions of dollars and get this thing done. But it really does impact how you do the rest of your business. Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing about these guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes signs that 10-year. I mean, nobody's even touched the 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar deal that Patrick Mahomes signed. Obviously, there, there wasn't the guarantees in that. But, you know, a year later, that thing got renegotiated. Um, that's just how the NFL were. I mean, the Saints every year, they're, they're like, the Saints are the standard for, like, we're going to start, we're going to be, $50 million over the cap on March 13th. And then when the league year opens on March 14th, we're going to have $50 million to spend on free agency. So, you know, the salary cap in the NFL is sort of weird. And it's these big contracts that, you know, that, that make it work that way. Ashley, was there a point where you thought Lamar was gone? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm on the record on this podcast saying there were a handful of times where I think the last time I really said it was 
Uh, Dan, when you were gone and Mary Kay and I were potting after the owners meetings and Lamar tweets about the trade request and it's right as John Harbaugh was talking and Mary Kay kind of set the scene for what that was like. And I'm like, is it going to be possible like for them to come back from this? And even when Odell went there, I'm like, I mean, maybe, but like, is one player signing there really going to be enough to swing him? But I think the longer it went on, my mind kind of started to change yet again that like, hey, that deal isn't magically materializing. So it's like, what what are his other options? And is there really a better option uh, coming up than Baltimore? And like, maybe he's going to find a way to be happy there and, and the trade request will be forgotten, forgotten, I guess, to move forward for them. So um, I definitely though thought there's no way this relationship is getting patched up not very long ago. Mary Kay, what about you? I mean, I know I certainly had moments where I'm like, this, this is this just might not end well. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know if somebody's going to sign him away or if they're going to trade him or what. But uh, there, there were certainly times where it felt like this just isn't going to work out. Did you have those, those moments with Lamar? Yeah, I mean, anytime a player actually asks to be traded, uh, a lot of times you don't come back from that. You know, I mean, that, that can really be a deal breaker. And he's such a principled player, and he felt that he was being so disrespected by how they were handling things. Uh, I really did feel like at times that it wasn't going to happen. But there were a couple things that then made me think that it would happen, and that was Ozzie Newsom getting back involved uh, in negotiations and personnel matters. Uh, so that was one thing. And then Odell Beckham Jr. showing up on the doorstep and, you know, making a very strong public plea uh, for Lamar to come back. And those two guys FaceTiming with each other, it just seemed like it was trending in that direction. And uh, so I did start to think that it probably was going to happen. Sort of a bigger picture question here, Mary Kay. When you look at the, we've talked about this quarterback money, and it felt like if, if, the NFLPA was going to get their guaranteed contracts. This was the one that they really wanted. Then Jalen Hurts kind of signs his extension, and he doesn't get that guaranteed money. It's does it feel like maybe that dream is dead? Like the the they aren't going to be able to get the Deshaun Watson contract again. Um, that 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 feels more and more like an outlier than ever. It really does, but I mean, I I guess you know it remains to be seen what will happen with the next guys coming up. Will Joe Burrow ask for that? Will Justin Herbert ask for that? I mean, you know, you have to have your franchise quarterback, so they do have some leverage. Uh, you know, we'll see. It seems like right now the Browns are the outlier in that, but at some point somebody will join them in the forbidden, fully guaranteed club. Uh, just don't know exactly when it will be. And I've, I've heard this point made before, Ashley, like the thing about quarterbacks and their contracts is they usually end up getting all that money. Usually when you pay a, yeah. a quarterback like a big amount, it tends to work out that they get all the money that, that is promised to them. Yeah, in some ways it's just like semantics. But I mean, I, I just kind of keep thinking back to like when Mary Kay and Oak had the chance to talk to the Haslams at the owners meetings, like it just seems like they were, they weren't never really concerned about if this was going to impact the landscape across the league, obviously, like it was all about what the Browns wanted to do and, and what they felt they needed to do to get Deshaun Watson here. Um, so yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know who the next guy would be, but I do think like that 
crop of quarterbacks coming up is interesting, like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, like are those guys going to ask for that? And are those teams going to want to deliver? Like it's an interesting question because a pattern hasn't materialized yet, but I think like that younger group of quarterbacks coming up would be the one that, oh, you might kind of see that talk bubble up again. Okay, one more Lamar question here, Mary Kay. How are we feeling about the AFC now? We talked about it a little bit after the Aaron Rodgers trade became official, but now we know Lamar Jackson is going to stay not just in the AFC, but in the Browns division. Um, This, it just sort of today watching the draft and seeing like, you know, like the Lions are going to have Jared Goff at quarterback and they're going to be like, they're going to have a chance to win the NFC North. And who knows after that, once you get in the tournament, like you don't have to be great at quarterback to win the NFC right now. In the AFC, it's a little bit different. So how are we feeling about the AFC after finding out Lamar Jackson's going to be here another five years at least? Well, I mean, let's just start with the AFC North. It is going to be excruciatingly difficult to get out of the AFC North alive and into those playoffs. It is not going to be easy. I mean, once again, Lamar Jackson now with this upgraded band of receivers with Odell Beckham Jr., with Zay Flowers, with Rashad Bateman. I'm sure he's going to come back healthy and he's going to be rejuvenated. He'll have Odell getting him all fired up and kind of mentored up and all of that sort of thing. And of course, they still have Mark Andrews and again, an offensive coordinator that will uh, feature the passing game more and try to make it more explosive. Um, So, you know, I think that the job for Deshaun Watson just got tougher again. And like, you know, you forget, you know, you just take, take it for granted that Joe Burrow's down there with, uh, you know, his terrific trio of wide receivers. It, it's just going to be so hard. I mean, it really is going to be hard uh, for Deshaun Watson to come in here and learn basically, you know, in, in a revamped system and new personnel and try to catch up with where these other teams are. I mean, it's going to be a really, really challenging season. And I think, you know, you can just tell by his demeanor and, you know, when we saw him and in the off season program, I mean, he's fired up and ready to go and he's so confident in in himself. And I know he believes that he's going to be right up there with all of those guys. You've got Aaron Rodgers in, in the, in the conference now with the jets Uh, I mean, just everywhere you look in the AFC, there is another NFL MVP or a Super Bowl MVP or, you know, the top rated quarterback from last season or Patrick Mahomes going to three Super Bowls. You know, it's just it is unbelievable. There's a renaissance in the NFL in really good quarterback play. And most of them, not all of them. Of course, you know, you've got Jalen Hurts and some of the other really, really good ones in the NFC, but most of them are right here in the AFC. And I'll tell you, it's why the Cleveland Browns went out and got Deshaun Watson, because if you don't have a guy like that, you don't even have a chance. Yeah. And, you know, Ashley, the thing is, we're, we're going to spend hours and hours talking about this football team, the roster, all these players on it, and everyone should listen to every word we say about it. And, but, but it really does kind of come down to this season, like, can Deshaun Watson be the quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with some of these other guys? And when you get into January and you've got to beat Josh Allen and then Patrick Mahomes and then Joe Burrow and or Trevor Lawrence, whoever it is, Aaron Rodgers, 
Like he's got to be the Deshaun Watson they thought they traded for back when they made this deal. Yeah, I was just thinking that like this kind of underscores the need for him to be 2020 Deshaun Watson. Like, and I think that's why those six games are part of the reason why those six games last year were so concerning because it was almost like this recency effect of, okay, you see Deshaun Watson play the last six games and then you see the, you know, the playoffs and, and how these other AFC teams look. And it was also kind of like to some extent like that, I think, two years ago when you went from watching Baker Mayfield and the struggles there and then kind of seeing like, wow, like the Browns just don't really have a comparable offense right now. Um, and I think like his struggles became even more apparent, like as we got to watch some of those playoff games and everything like that. So I do think it just sort of, it, it underscores that, that you really need him to be that old version of Deshaun. And I know he's talked about, like, he doesn't think about it like that, but you do need that kind of production for him because it is what it's going to take. And it is, I think, even to win the division, that's what it's going to take because it is going to be, I think, as unpredictable as ever this year. Okay, let's take a quick break. There was a draft tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about that on the other side here on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock here uh, recording this early on Friday morning after the first round of the draft is over. Let's just start here. Mary Kay, what kind of grabbed your attention tonight? Well... Uh, you know, everybody was wondering what was going to happen at the top. So the fact that C.J. Stroud actually did go number two, uh, you know, I thought that was very interesting. There was so much talk about that. Uh, and, you know, that went how everyone sort of originally thought it was going to go. Uh, but the thing, of course, that sort of caught my eye was um, at number four, the Colts went with Anthony Richardson. Now, in our mock pod a couple of days ago, uh, I sort of connected Anthony Richardson to Shane Steichen, the Colts coach. Um, I don't know, just sort of reading the tea leaves and knowing that he coached Jalen Hurts and sort of knowing what what kind of style of quarterback he might like. Um, I just felt like, that's where that's the guy that he was going to like. And so, but I thought that he might have to trade up to get him so much uh, buzz came out in the last week or so about the S two cognition. And it seemed like somebody was trying to really ding CJ Stroud, like something was going on there. You know, the, the person who actually uh, invented that, test or founded that test, uh, you know, said a lot of these numbers that were floating around out there were inaccurate. So you just never really know. But it sent up enough of a red flag for me that I just didn't know if it was going to fall like that. So Anthony Richardson to the Colts at number four, I thought that was very, very interesting. And I think it it also, you know, shows again that, you know, there are just going to be some really, really good quarterbacks in the AFC across the board, even if some of them, they're going to need a little bit of time uh, to get up to speed with their new teams. Um, but, you know, they have some good coaches that are, are going to be getting these guys coming up the learning curve. And uh, it's just not getting any easier in this conference. And the Browns get to take a trip to Indianapolis this year. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if we'll see Anthony Richardson uh, in that game or not, but um 
who knows? Maybe we'll get to see him in person. Ashley, what stood out to you tonight? Yeah, for me, it was the Texans immediately trading up to number three after they got CJ Stroud at number two. And I think like coming into this draft, like the big, I guess, talking point around it was how like unpredictable people thought it was going to be besides Bryce Young going number one. And I think to me, that was like the first sign of, okay, we're rolling. And of course, they trade that pick they got from the Browns um, to move up when they did. So I thought it was interesting because everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, the talk was, are they balking, you know, and going to take a defensive player with the number two pick? But really, they were able to do both things after that trade with the Cardinals um, and landing Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. So I think to me, it just kind of set the tone for the night. Um, It was also interesting to see that Browns pick get used so quickly, which I know you wrote about, Dan. Yeah, they used that number 12 pick to to move up. That trade is starting to get harder and harder to track, by the way. I wrote a, <laughs> a post on it the other day, and then tonight kind of trying to to continue to track it. Uh, just just keeps getting more difficult. But one of the sort of weird things about it is the pick that the Browns used on Cade York was a pick that ended up coming as a result of the Deshaun Watson trade after the Texans traded from 13 to 15 whatever. Somehow they got 24. The Browns traded with the Texans. Just know that the Browns ended up getting a pick back in Eastern Cade York. But anyway, I don't know that anybody cares about that. Uh, For me, this is hardly an original take. Uh, It's kind of what everyone's saying, but it's just the Eagles getting Jalen Carter at number nine and Nolan Smith at number 30. Like there, I know there's concerns about Jalen Carter. Um, you know, just beyond even the the incident that happened with with the racing, but like there, there's been some work ethic questions and things like that. But if he gets into Philadelphia and they get a lot of and they get some of that stuff worked out, and they get Nolan Smith, who is like Hassan Reddick, who they also have, by the way, this is just this is just Philadelphia saying, hey, we're going to go back to the Super Bowl and maybe this time we're going to win it. Right. It's just unbelievable what Howie Roseman has done there. He is a really, really good talent evaluator, a really good GM. And my goodness, uh, for them to keep adding to that defense the way that the the way that they have. I mean, they had 70 sacks last year, and they are not slowing down. Uh, it, it's just absolutely incredible. And I think it really illustrates that uh, the Browns need to keep the – you know, the pedal to the metal on trying to find rushers. They, they really need to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to see what, you know, what they can do up there. There are certain teams that just know how to draft for defense and really get those dominant, dominant players. And, and they certainly are one of them. Okay, so that leads us to this question. We'll end with this. And again, as we're recording this, the Browns are 41 picks away from going on the clock. So, Mary Kay, what should the Browns do? What do the Browns need to do on Friday night? Well, you know, the more I thought about, you know, when I watched this first round, it really did make me uh, feel like they they really do need to add another weapon for Deshaun or another pass rusher that that, those are two things that I really think that they should focus on as early as they can, because you would like to, if you can uh, try to bring in 
a player at those at one of those positions or both of those positions in the third round, maybe if you can, uh, that can make a difference on your offense or your defense. Um, I still think that they have a ways to go in those two areas and they just can't stop. And I think that, you know, that tonight showed that the good teams are really stocking up in those areas. Ashley, what about you? Yeah, to build off of that, because I definitely think those two positional needs are are still needs for the Browns. Like after watching the way this first round played out, I know I talked about this yesterday, but I would still be in favor of them, you know, trying to package up some later or mid round picks and moving up into the second round if there is somebody they really like that they think could be a difference maker because of course like you can get eight guys in there the way things stand now but I just think if there's somebody they think that could really help Jim Schwartz on defense or is really good in the scramble drill on offense and might be a good target for Deshaun Watson that has something a little different like I think there's no harm in being aggressive because of how many later picks they have in this draft. I agree with you and Mary Kay I'm assuming you would agree with this too. I just, I don't want them to wait three hours to make their pick tomorrow. I want them to identify a couple of players. And I, yeah, I'm sure they have players they have identified, but I want them to be aggressive and figure out a way to go get those players. If it, you know, if somebody's fallen into the fifties or, you know, sixties, like go get a guy. Don't just sit and, and let the draft come to you. Go be aggressive and, and go make something happen because they have, that day three draft capital to move up and and probably get somebody if they really want them. Yeah, they can do that. And we know that, um, that Andrew Barry, he's very aggressive in player acquisition. So if they do see somebody that has that kind of value, then, you know, they won't hesitate to go up and try to grab him. The other thing for them is I think that, um, you know, they're so thorough in their player evaluation that, you know, I think they are going to count on the fact that some players that they have with a second round grade are just going to trickle right down to them at, you know, number 74 or somewhere close to there and that they won't actually have to give up, give up picks to get one of those guys. So, um, you know, there are several different schools of thought, but no matter how you slice it, you know, we do know by now that Andrew is very, very aggressive. I mean, look, he added a dozen players in free agency. Okay, there we go. Uh, Round one of the NFL draft in the books. Of course, the biggest news of the day, Lamar Jackson staying in Baltimore. Uh, We'll be back uh, on Friday at some point. uh, It'll probably be on Saturday at some point, recapping day two of the NFL draft. And then, of course, uh, we'll give you all sorts of great draft coverage. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become a football insider subscriber to get texts. Uh, newsletter, access to stories on cleveland.com slash browns that have that uh, paywall. You can get access to those. Again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And get subscribed to Orange Brown Talk. If you're not already, just search for us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.